You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 32, and we will continue uh, our series in the book of Jeremiah. Verse number one, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy, and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes. And he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. And let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us, and I pray that you'd give us a truth, give us something from your word tonight that would help us, that would encourage us, uh, that would bless us as we do our best to live for you. I pray for those who are here tonight that you give them a special blessing. I pray for those who are listening on the radio. I thank you for that radio station, 95.9 FM. And I thank you for uh, the, the folks who have been reached through that. I thank you for our online ministry on the, our website and Facebook and YouTube. And Lord, we're thankful for uh, those tools. But Lord, we understand uh, that the technology is not the answer. Your word is the answer. And we pray that your word would go forth tonight. And may it speak to our hearts and challenge us to live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice the timing of this message, Jeremiah 32. This is the 10th year of Zedekiah. Zedekiah was the last king of Judah before they would fall and before they would be overcome by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. The Bible says that this was in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, it's just, it's a reminder to me for Zedekiah, it was his 10th year. Uh, uh, for uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it was his 18th year. But you know, those guys are long gone. And you know, kings rise and kings fall and presidents come and presidents go and, and leaders come and go and pastors come and go and people come and go. But aren't you glad that the God that we serve is forever? And that he is everlasting and his, his kingdom shall have no end. I'm glad that God's in control. And I'm glad that the word of God is still standing firm. All these centuries later, uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, has really been forgotten. Uh, I, I doubt that you woke up this morning thinking about Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I doubt you got up this morning thinking, I wonder, I wonder about Zedekiah's life. But can I tell you, uh, you woke up this morning. And if you've got Jesus Christ in your heart, you woke up this morning thanking God for life and thanking God for salvation and thanking God for his blessings uh, and for uh, his uh, sovereignty in your life. I want you to see quickly in this passage, number one, I want you to notice that Jeremiah was persecuted and he was put in prison. Jerusalem had been besieged. 
Jeremiah had been shut up in the court of the prison. This prison was connected to the king's house. I don't know exactly the reasoning for that, uh, but the king had the authority and he said, I'm tired of hearing this guy preach. Now, here's what Jeremiah was saying. Jeremiah was saying, hey, Judah, you need to get right with God. Judah, you need to turn back to God. Hey, Judah, if you don't turn back to God, you're going into captivity. And if you don't get right with God, Nebuchadnezzar is going to come. And he said, and Zedekiah, by the way, he's going to catch you. You're not going to escape. You might feel safe now in this palace, but the day's coming when Nebuchadnezzar is going to see you face to face and you're going to talk directly to Nebuchadnezzar and he's going to haul you out of this place. It is not going to end well. None of this has happened yet. But Zedekiah was so furious that Jeremiah was sticking his finger in his face and telling him the truth that he said, I'm locking you up, buddy. I'm going to shut you up in a prison. Well, guess what? You can lock up the preacher and you can try to silence uh, the, the witness and you can try to burn the Bible and you can try to outlaw all of that. But I got news for you. You're not going to stop the word of God. And the truth does not stop just because you don't like it. Just because I don't agree with it. Doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what the truth of the word of God is. I remember my father-in-law years ago, he was he was preaching something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he got done and, and the, the pastor uh, said to him, said, uh, Brother Brown, he said, uh, you know, uh, you, you kind of you were preaching on this and, you know, you kind of were stepping on my toes a little bit. And, and Brother Brown, and you know, you've heard him, you can hear him saying it. He said, well, brother, he said, I'm sorry, but we can't change the message for you or anybody else, you know. And that's the truth. We can't change the message. Uh, we can't change the message. We ought to let the message change us. We ought to let the word of God get in us. And the king tried to stop him. He tried to, to shut him up, but uh, Jeremiah just kept on preaching. He was persecuted. He was put in prison. Jeremiah told the truth of what was going to happen. And by the way, history reveals and God's word reveals that Zedekiah was captured. We'll see that story as we get further into the book. He was captured. Uh, Jeremiah's prophecy was fulfilled. Zedekiah was punished because uh, he would not get right with God. He would not repent. I want to say this. Zedekiah tried to fight against God, but he found out the hard way. You cannot fight against God. You cannot run from God. God will come out on the winning side. God will come out as the victor. You will not prosper trying to fight against God. Jeremiah had prophesied it. Zedekiah didn't like it. He threw him in prison. And uh, Jeremiah is now writing and he is preaching. We get to verse 6. He is writing this from prison, okay? Jeremiah's own prophecy is we're going into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar's coming. This whole place is going down, okay? Now keep that, keep that setting in mind. Now notice verse number 6. And Jeremiah said, while he's in prison, the king didn't like what he had to say, so he's in prison. But isn't that just like a preacher? He's in prison, but he's still not going to be quiet, you know. He said, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth. 
for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said unto me, buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Notice then, Jeremiah says, then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Verse nine, and I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and I weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. He says, I gave him the money. I had the witnesses. I got the deed. I took the evidence, verse number 11. I, I, I filed it properly. Uh, everything was done exactly the way it should be, verse 12, while he sat in the court of the prison. Now, I am not a real estate expert, by any stretch of the imagination. But you tell me, how do you think the market is looking if your nation is going down and the enemy nation is getting ready to come in? And by the way, when the Babylonians came in, they didn't just change a few minor details. They came in and they destroyed whatever they wanted to destroy. They pillaged whatever they wanted. They stole and hauled off all the gold and silver and, and, and they took captives. They left that place a, a war zone when they got done. So this hasn't happened yet, but Jeremiah says it's going to happen. And in the midst of all this, Jeremiah's cousin comes to him in present and he says, Jeremiah, I got a piece of property I want to sell you. Now, most of us would be like, nope, we're one step ahead of you, buddy. This place is going down. But here's what's so incredible about this. Jeremiah said, but God told me to buy it. He said, and I knew it was the word of the Lord. So Jeremiah knew that it was going down, but here's what's so amazing. He knew that Judah was going into captivity, but he was already looking ahead to the promise that God was going to return them from captivity. Now, hang on. Now, stay with me. Don't get ahead of me, okay? So, Jeremiah knew it was going to get bad, but he also knew how good God was. And he said, although God has said judgment's coming, God has also said he's going to restore us. He's also said he's going to bring us back. And Jeremiah believed God enough. You ready for this? He believed God enough to put his money where his mouth was. Jeremiah, number one, he was persecuted and put in prison. But number two, jot it down. Number two, he purchased property. He purchased the property. He, now, when you're in prison... And you're a preacher, I don't think you've got a lot of extra income, okay? I don't know where in the world he even got that money. But he forked over the money, 17 shekels of silver, and he said, I am investing in God's promise that this land is coming back and that God's people are coming back. And he said, that land may not be worth a whole lot right now, but I believe God and I am going to purchase that property. I'm going to buy that field. I'm going to do exactly what God has told me to do. And can I tell you, when you believe God, 
And when I believe God, it's going to affect how we live. It's going to affect the decisions that we make. It's going to affect how we spend our money. It's going to affect how we invest our finances. It's going to affect where we put our time. You know why the Morrises are going to Bolivia? Because they just believe God. They believe God called them. They believe that people can get saved there. You know why the Azarellos are planting a church in North Carolina? Because they believe God. They just believe that God's called them and that God's going to take care of it. You know why uh, Brother Dan and Miss Kelly uh, came to Roanoke Rapids and, and, and came from Santa Clara, California to what they thought was a mission field? Because they believe God. They just said, hey, if God's leading, if God's in it, that's where we're going. They sold everything they had, uh, not everything. They had a little bit in a little moving pod. Uh, I don't know how in the world you did that. You got everything stuffed into there. And they sold everything and they came across country. And can I tell you, they just believed that God was in it. And I want to tell you, when God's in it, it's as good as done. When God's in it, you don't have to worry about it because God said it and that ought to settle it right there. Jeremiah purchased the property. He wasn't nervous about it. He wasn't worried he was going to lose his money. He wasn't worried that it was going to be a bad investment. He said, if God said to do it, I believe God. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to count the cost. And I'm willing to purchase the property. I love what it says in verse 9. He says, I bought the field. Verse 8, I knew that this was the word of God. Number one, he was persecuted and put in prison. Number two, he purchased property. Number three, he claimed the promises of God. Why did he buy this property? Why did he spend his money? Why did he buy property that was going to be a war zone and be desolate and be a wasteland? Why did he do that? Because he knew that it would happen just like God said it would happen. He knew that God would send his people into captivity, but he knew they were coming back. He was preparing for the return. He was preparing for the time that God would bring his people back to their land. You know, why should we claim the promises of God? I think we should claim the promises of God because we ought to look at what God's already promised. And what God's already promised is true. And what God's already promised has already happened. And what God has promised has all been fulfilled. We ought to look at this book and we ought to know that this is the word of the Lord. How did Jeremiah know it? Because he saw it over and over and over again. That whatever God said always happened just like God said it. Uh, I'm not good at predicting things. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's sometimes I'll predict things. We're talking uh, before service. We're talking about the weather. And you know, I don't know tomorrow, it could be sunny, it could be calm, it could be a nice, nice soft breeze, or it could be the worst tornado we've ever seen in North Carolina. You know, you never know. But can I tell you, I'm not good at predicting things. And I'm not good at getting all the details right. You know why? Because I don't have a clue about a lot of things. I hate to inform you that, but I don't. But can I tell you, when God says something's going to happen, it happens down to the detail. When it comes to the birth of Christ and the life of Christ, did you know there are over 300 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled down to the detail exactly how it was prophesied hundreds of years before? Let me give you an example. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. 
And uh, I'm not going to give you all 300 of them. I'm going to give you 299. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse number 22. It says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Well, what was prophesied? Isaiah said, a virgin is going to conceive. Now, that's not a casual prediction. That's not something that you say, yeah, I think, I think the sun might come up tomorrow. Or I think it might get dark outside tonight. Isaiah said a virgin is going to conceive and bring forth a son, and she's going to call his name Emmanuel. Guess what? It happened, and it was fulfilled. And we see over and over and over again in the Bible that God promised and God prophesied through his prophets that a Messiah was coming. Where would he be born? Micah said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Uh, 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 how was it going to happen? Well, Isaiah prophesied and, and, and uh, Jeremiah prophesied and all that we see, he would be from Abraham. He would come from the line of Abraham. He would come from the line of Judah. He would come from the line of David. And we see that it was fulfilled. We get to the, the time of the crucifixion. It was prophesied that Jesus, the Messiah, would enter Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. And he did. It was prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend. And he was. It was prophesied that the betrayal would take place for 30 pieces of silver. And that's exactly the price that Judas received for betraying the Lord. That money would be used to purchase a potter's field was prophesied and it happened. The Messiah would die a sacrificial death for us and he did. He would die with criminals, but his burial would be with the wealthy. That was prophesied in Isaiah 53 that he would die with the criminals but would be buried with the rich. Think about that. How could that even happen? Even why would you even say that? And he was crucified between thieves and he was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man. It was prophesied, hang on, that he would rise from the dead. And he did. And we could go on and on and on. Here's what I'm saying. Jeremiah claimed the promise of God. You know why? Because God had never lied. And God had never fallen short or come short on his promises. And God will keep his word. If God said it, you can depend on it. Jeremiah carried out the transaction. He signed uh, the paper. He sealed the deed. He took the witnesses. He paid the money. He did everything. And he invested in the future based upon God's promise to him. He said that God had told him that houses and fields and vineyards will be possessed again in this land. Notice with me, go back to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse number 15. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. He said, I'm telling you why I'm buying the property I've got insider information. I know that this is going to be some good land someday. And he said, sign me up. Here's the money. I'll take the deed. And he claimed the promise of God. Number four, quickly, I want you to see in this passage, and we won't get through it all. But number four, verse number 16. Now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, 
Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth and by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. He said, now, God, I believe you, but this is big. This takes a lot of faith that this land's going to be destroyed. We're going to be wiped out, but you're saying we're coming back. By the way, how in the world did the Jews escape Babylon? They didn't. God brought in another empire. God brought in the medial Persian Empire and he gave him a ruler by the name of Cyrus. And Cyrus said in 536 B.C., I think it was, he said in 536 B.C., I want all the Jews to go back to your land. And guess what? That was exactly what God had said 70 years that they would be in captivity and then they would go back. They didn't even have to escape. They didn't have to sneak out. They didn't have to raise an army. God raised up a king who said, hey guys, it's time for you to go back to your land. I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but that's what I want you to do. Can I tell you, there's nothing too hard for God. If, if, if Jeremiah would have told that to the Jews, they'd have said, you're, you're crazier than we thought. But can I tell you, when God is in the equation, there's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing too big for him. So here's number four, and I'll close with this. Not only was he persecuted, and put in prison. And by the way, when you live for God and you speak the truth of God, there's going to be people that aren't going to like it. I'll just tell you that right now. Number two, he purchased property. He made an investment in the future. Number three, he claimed the promises of God. And then number four, this is, you might have to write this one down. This is, this is earth shattering right here. Number four, he prayed. You know what's amazing though? You know these great men and women that God used in the Bible? They all did that. They all prayed. And we're, we're pretty good about at talking about prayer. And we're pretty good. We've got prayer lists and prayer journals and prayer meetings. But I want to encourage us as God's people, let's get back to praying. And when we pray, that's when we realize that there's nothing too big for God. There's a lot that's too big for us, but there is nothing that is too big for God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.